You're listening to the Carib Climate Podcast, produced by the Investment Plan for the Caribbean Regional Track of the Pilot Program for Climate Resilience, funded by the Inter-American Development Bank through the Climate Investment Funds and implemented by the Project Management Unit of the University of the West Indies Mona Office for Research and Innovation. In the world of climate planning, data is the compass. Climate data helps us to plan for natural disasters, assess the current state of environment resources, and make projections of impacts to better respond to future threats. In this episode of the Carib Climate Podcast, we hear from Jayaka Campbell, climate modeling consultant and representative from the Climate Studies Group MONA, The Climate Studies Group is the Caribbean Regional PPCR's implementing partner, working to improve the availability of more relevant climate projections for the Caribbean. Why is it important to get climate data at scales relevant to the Caribbean? Well, first and foremost, um, the islands in the Caribbean represent um, some of the countries amongst the most vulnerable to climate change. And at scales to them mean you're com- capturing their complex terrains and you're trying to get information that um, matches their small size. Um, typically what is produced for the globe and typically what was produced for the globe used to be at scales that gave everywhere across one of these small, smaller islands as one single value. And when you're trying to get information um, matching those scales, you want to actually learn what's happening on the East Coast versus the West Coast, what's happening inter-parish and intra-parish um, and you want to actually determine what's happening at sometimes even the community scale. And, and that is what um, um, the effort was about. Before region-specific data was possible for the Caribbean, how were climate scientists able to extract the relevant data? Well, there are several techniques that, were, uh, that are available and are used. Um, one technique that could be used to take um, that, that global scenario down to the, the scale of the Caribbean is statistical downscaling. What we employed for this project primarily was dynamic downscaling, and that employs computer models. Now, everything within the atmosphere, most phenomena within the atmosphere can be expressed using a physical equation. Um, And if it can be expressed using a physical equation, you can then actually express that in a computer model, because when you look at the atmosphere, the atmosphere is considered to be a 3D space, or in some instances, a 4D space. You have your your x, your, your latitude, your longitude, your height, and you also have time. And within, when you put those things together, you can actually use computer models to solve those equations. And when you solve those equations, you, 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 actually, you can actually look at what rainfall is, what temperature is, and, 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 and that's how we, we did this round of it. Climate data acquisition for the Caribbean has enhanced significantly since the regional PPCR project. Jayaka gives context to the data challenges experienced before the PPCR. What makes this possible now in the, in the, in the Caribbean? So I have, to, I have to tell you a story, and the story is going to just hopefully take you along a journey. And at the end of that journey, I'm, I'm hoping that you can understand where we're at now. So if you go back 20 years, and 20 years ago when we started this process, um, the Caribbean, if you looked at any um, global document or any climate change document that was produced for the Caribbean, um, especially from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, what was listed was that the Caribbean, you know, was a dearth of information, which means no information, very little information existed 
for the Caribbean or it even scales for the Caribbean. And you know, what happened was that, you know, there is a, a gap. And when you, you, you take on scientists or, or scientists looking to the regional good, that gap and the, and the importance of climate to the region, because if you look at the Caribbean, there is almost absolutely no economic sector that is not impacted by climate and climate change. So it means you take tourism, you take your agriculture, you take all of that. So, and even our daily livelihoods are tied to climate. Um, an interesting thing to think about is within the region, if it rains beyond, if it rains in the morning from four to 10 o'clock, the question is how many persons go to work? So climate is invariably tied to all our activities within the region. And that became something important. If on a global level, there is nothing there to say what's going to happen to the Caribbean in the next 30 years, in the next 60 years, in the next 100 years, that then became something we had to tackle. But their computational resources were not there, and the human capacity was not there to undertake this endeavor. So 20 years ago, that's where we started. When we started, we started with um, scenarios. And when, when I say scenarios, I simply mean, you know, you're looking at all the future possibilities. Um, you can say, and they're equally plausible. You know, I like taking it to the Caribbean context, talking about rice and peas. So it's a, it's a Jamaican Sunday dish, and you think about it, and you, you, you take the same ingredients. You take your water, your rice, your peas, and all your seasonings. But depending on how you mix those together, you can end up with salt peas and, and rice, or you could end up with fresh peas and rice, or you could end up with the sweetest, the nicest, almost well-balanced meal. And all those things I'm talking about are would have been a scenario, what if I use this? More, more of this, what if I don't put enough water? What if I use too much butter? Um, what if instead of coconut milk, I tried something else? And when we talk about scenarios, what we're talking about are those what if scenarios. You know, what if our world became um, more fossil intensive? What if our world became um, an environmentally friendly and sensitive world? Which means those things would affect the, you know, the, the emissions that go into the atmosphere and then affect our overall climate. So. With that said, you know, when we actually looked at it, we started with the scenarios that the IPCC, the rest of the world, was moving away from. And it took us years to get those runs completed. But when we got them completed, it provided us with an avenue of actually now storing at scale what was happening in the region. And it took us some years to catch up. And thankfully, that when the PPCR project got started, what happened was one of the initiatives was actually I tried to address that computational deficit that was within the region. And what it afforded was a small, high-performance computing cluster where in, it usually take us a year to run 30 years. It would now take us a month or three months to run that 30 years of data. So it afforded us to know catch up to the globe. How are Caribbean climate scientists now able to conduct climate modeling at scales relevant to the region? Here's a picture of the climate simulation. There are two things that occur. One, we actually, you know, you have the historical past and that is taken. What we do is that we take um, the globe, the, what the globe has, what the, the global centers have as our projected climate change. And we take that and we run that through the dynamic models, the computer models, to actually, if you look at it, it's almost, let's say they take a camera that is a, a, a one megapixel camera, and then you take that and you try to 
digitize that using a 20 megapixel camera. So you are now trying to get more detail out of that image for the region. So instead of actually taking you know, a, a photo using something that you couldn't get that much detail for the region, we are now taking that and then giving, providing more detail for the region. The project provided a supercomputer, the scientific platform for applied research and knowledge sharing, SPARKS, the game changer in advancing climate research for adaptation planning, which, to the delight and relief of Caribbean climate scientists, crunches climate data in half the time. What we started out with is, and the easiest way to think about it is, think about what your computers are now, and then think about what your parents had to use for computers. If you try to use some of the software you're using now on your parents' computers, it wouldn't work. Another way to think about it is Jamaicans have a term for the Nokia 3310. They call it a, a banger. And it's similar to that. And then you take away and you have another, a more updated Android phone. That's the difference between what we had and what we have now. So what we have now has more power. It's not a standard single computer. It's a, a, a high performance cluster, which means it has many processors. The number of processors it has, it has, you know, it's not a large one and it has only 500 processors or, you know, 512 or 500 and, and something processors. And it has enough memory and compute power for us to be able to generate the data that we normally took, would have taken a year to generate to now generate in, in sometimes one to three months, depending on what resolution we, we, we say. And we're talking about a high performance computing cluster that we have aptly named Sparks because we consider it a little light in the dark or a little light in that dark. And Sparks stands for the Scientific Platform for Applied um, Research and Knowledge Sharing. And what that means for us in the region is that we, we consider ourselves when we're using all of those tools to be in, you know, the dark ages. And the little light that, that actually shines and brings us, you know, brings us to, you know, everything else, make, just makes everything else a little easier. It's a cluster. Um, it enables us to do modeling and that would take us a year to do in a one month to three months, depending on the resolution and the scale we set. Um, whether or not we're deciding to go to 10km or less, which was never possible before using the old um, computers we had, and um, it's actually bringing data at scale to the, even the very, very small islands within the region. But the process involves actually um, running computer models, and those computer models output the data at scales. But the process before and going back 20 years, the process was a process that is distinctly Caribbean. And what I mean by that is, um, no one country in the Caribbean had enough processing power, computational power, or human capacity to undertake modeling or to actually generate data, climate projection data for the, for the region. And what that involved was we had colleagues in Cuba that were attempting to tackle the same problems we were. We had colleagues in um, Barbados, Jamaica, Trinidad, and Belize. But no one of those countries had enough to tackle the problem in a, in a way that would adequately address the needs of the region. And what we did was we came up with a scientific, class, a scientific framework or question that we wanted to answer. We designed the experiments to ensure that all the experiments that are common domain 
and we're we're matching. And by common domain, it simply means you know it went as far left. They, they all ended at the same latitude and longitude line. So they, they all had this grid box. Um, they all had this box area um, that they covered. So you know it went into the Pacific and into the Atlantic and down into South America and up the tips of North America and ensuring that we capture. This is the, this is just creating the area over which you're going to generate the data, um, and as such, um, what that led to was each country I mentioned could only do one of those scenarios, and each country, what we did was we met once every two years or once a year, and we would all walk with hard drives, and if we met in Cuba, it simply meant or met in Jamaica. It simply meant, meant that, you know, we're, we're, we're meeting each other. And if we're meeting for two, three days, the very first thing you do is you're swapping hard drives because you're coming with hard drives to copy data off and hard drives to copy data onto. So you're exchanging and immediately starting that process. And we're talking about sometimes, you know, approaching a terabyte or more of data. And what that meant was you hope power never went. You were hoping that your machine never Never, never, you know, nobody knocked your machine or anything. And so, you know, if it was in a hotel room, you know, you'd actually leave a do not disturb sign on your door because you don't want the cleaning officials to do anything to disturb that. So that's the process which we started. And so if something happened in transport of one of the hard drives, you have to wait until next year before you got that data. Um, and it, it brought us to that point and, but as I said, that, that's, that's a distinctly Caribbean solution because, you know, even though we all face the same problem, none of us could actually address the problem by ourselves. Um, and as such, we needed that kind of approach, that one, one cocoa full basket kind of approach to actually address the problem. And that brought us to a point where the problem, the dearth of information that was identified by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change was starting to be addressed. Now that the Caribbean has more relevant data thanks to SPARTS, how do countries benefit from these local or regional level projections? Well, all the countries, all territories within the Caribbean, be you English-speaking, Spanish-speaking, French-speaking, Dutch-speaking, all the territories within the region, we never, the, the, the model wasn't just designed around English-speaking countries. So once your country that's within our domain, we are more than ready to share that data with you. Um, in fact, um, some of this data has made its way into the state of the Caribbean climate, which is a document that was recently produced that looks at it's the latest document for the Caribbean and looks at climate projections for um, the, the territories of the, the Caribbean region. This was a, a project funded by the CDB, though, but the data from the PPCR project made its way into, into that document as well. Another advantage of downscaling climate data for the region is that information is not only available at the country or sector level, but also specific to communities. Take, for example, I just mentioned State of the Caribbean Climate. Um, and in mentioning State of the Caribbean Climate, um, we actually break it down into extremes and other sectors. Um, and Jamaica is around the fourth largest island within the Caribbean. And being the fourth largest, you will expect that um, and Jamaica has a mountain range running from east to west, um, which means you, you can easily say there's a difference between the south coast and a difference between the north coast of Jamaica. But within the, the larger scale models, 
that differentiation was not made. Within ORM um, regional downscale models, that differentiation is made. You can differentiate what happens on the East Coast versus what happens on the West Coast and what happens on the South Coast versus what happens on the North Coast. What that means is this. It simply means you can now get almost community-level data where your community is not the same as every half of Jamaica because your climate for your community is a little bit different because you are possibly on the, the shaded or sheltered slope of a mountain range, which means you don't get as much rain as the other side of the mountain. And that distinction is very important because it then can advise planning. Where do I, when should I actually know in the, my development strategies, where should I put my emergency supplies or where should I put my dams or other things for water? Um, what area should I actually reserve for agriculture? Um, and what area should I set aside to, to just remain um, a, a, a natural watershed? Another important output of the project was the development of a regional coastal zone integrated management system. We call it RSIMS. Um, so R-C-I-I-M-S, RSIMS. Um, so what happens is there's a platform and you basically are looking at all your, your, your coastal resources and you, you want to get to a, a point of being able to better manage your coastal resources. You're looking at um, where, where, where you may have loss of your coastal resources, where it may be challenged by other things, by other climatic features and changes. And you're, you're just creating a database of all of these things. And what happens is now that will, that will identify to you where issues exist and how it is that you can actually now plan ahead um, and actually avoid possible um, disasters or vulnerabilities uh, or exposures, exposures um, where you're not exposing yourself to greater risk. How has the storage capacity been supported for these systems? Um, Spark is almost having its second lease on life. Because when, when it just came, they gave us 500 terabytes of storage, something we never had before within the region. What that means is that imagine your standard thumb drive or your standard hard drive. And there's something, if you have a, and most people have a 500 gig or one terabyte. Imagine 500 times that storage. I, I, I exhausted that storage in two years. And as such, I had to, you know, given what was happening and given what was being designed, they expanded that to get us to the point of one petabyte, which is a million times um, what, what it was. So it, it, is, it is still there and the, the storage considerations are there. But one of the key things to think about is this. There is a dearth of information at 20 years ago. And as we're progressing and as we're looking at it, one of the things we don't want to do is that um, as we are now expanding to include the sectors, we're expanding to include health, we're expanding to include economics, different sectors may have different needs for particular variables. Within our climate realm, we tend to focus on probably four, five, or six variables, maximum 10 variables. Another major outcome for this component was the Caribbean Regional Ensemble Sharing Tool, Quest, developed to make modeling data accessible. How does this tool work? All of the data we have, um, once it concerns extreme, that is going to be shared on that platform. So we're looking at your extreme wet days, your extreme, so looking at the climate change context, what does that mean? 
um, for your extremes, meaning your extreme in temperatures and your extremes in rainfall. So primarily two things we're looking at. Um, one of the, the, an, an additional thing I, I, I must include is that we've been trying to pair climate modeling with as many sectors as possible. So, you know, your economic forecast, you know, you, you should make just this year. You can also project, you know, if, if it is in 50 years, we're going to experience more Ivan-like storms. What does it mean? If it is in the future, we're going to get these periods of long, with no rainfalls, and then suddenly you have these long, these periods where you're experiencing so much rainfall that everything seems to be getting damaged. What does that mean? So you can, if you can put a financial cost to that, we have the science, we have what those things are in terms of a number, but if you put an economic cost to that, then planning and adaptation and even even a little bit of mitigation can, can, can come into play. So it is trying to, one, address that dirt, two, um, trying to peer with as many sectors so the information becomes relevant, not just to the scientists, but to the economists, the, the person in health, the, the person doing agriculture, the person doing water resources, um, hydrology, the, the, even the human impacts and human settlements. Um, because if you, if you stop to think and you think sea level rise or you think storm surge, immediately you're now getting into the realm of, you know, houses and other things being, being challenged. The Climate Studies Group is working to enhance the user experience for Crest to ensure that different sector users will be able to access data according to their needs. All right. So Crest, as I said, deals with primarily with extremes. But Crest is going to get an, get, get, get an addition, and that addition will be a request portal where you, you say what it is that you want, that data gets processed, and then gets pushed to you. Um, and when I mean processed, remember, we, we have this vast volume of data, and it exists in a raw state. It's not existing in a state that's readily available to be used. And so some processing has to be um, undergo, uh, has to be done. And one, once you make that request, the processing will be done you'll have data to download and, and do whatever you want to do. But Crest is primarily to actually showcase um, the extremes um, for the region. With big data comes big challenges. An initial challenge with the specialized supercomputer was the unavailability of regional expertise to facilitate the installation process. All right, well, I, I mentioned something about human capacity and, um, you know, you, you buy what is considered to be a high-performance um, cluster, computing cluster, and that has to be installed by specialists. And that expertise doesn't necessarily reside within the region. So you buy that, it comes, you then have to wait <laughs> for the expertise to come and install it. Um, and it, it has its inherent challenges. That, that was, for me, was one challenge because, you know, you know, you get, get an email saying it has arrived and you ask, can I use it now? And you're told, no, you need to wait until it's installed. And you ask a week later, can, is it installed now? And you hear, you know, we need to wait on the experts to come. And when the experts come here, they take two weeks, you know, one week to two weeks to actually fully connect all the parts and install and set up and, 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 and stuff. And, and, and that's, one bit of, of, of a challenge at the start, and, and that could be my impatience, that could be my excitement, but that was one bit of challenge. Another challenge was navigating the complexity of climate data. 
other challenges experienced, um, as we indicated, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to tackle this in three parts. One, people. Um, people being, and an, an, let's say, other sectors. It was our first attempt to interface climate data with the other sectors. And being a climate data person or climate modeler, you, have, you speak in your own language. And you immediately expect that if you say something, everybody knows what you're talking about. And that interface, <laughs> that interface was, was, was a little bit of a challenge. Um, it's a challenge that took time to overcome because somebody will say to you, I, I just want the data. And you provide them with the data and they go, well, this is not what I wanted. This, you know, this doesn't make any sense to me. And you try to your best to put that in a, in a context. And you have to know, you know, walk through that process all the way through. Um, and I think we've gotten through probably three or four or five of those sectors. And so when other sectors get added, you immediately have, you know, you know the kind of questions to ask and how to, to, to approach that. So that's one challenge that was encountered. Another challenge that was encountered was actually um, you, where we actually generated too much data too quickly. Um, it was, you know, as I said, you know, Sparks has, is now experiencing its second lease on life because we got to the point of actually using up all the space that was there by generating all, um, all those um, runs and experiments. Um, and so now it, it, it's time for us to actually go through the process. We started analyzing and we started the post-processing. It's now time to actually analyze as many of those runs as, as we experiment as, as we've done. So we, we, we got to that point where we generated things too quickly. What were some of the lessons learned from the experience of improving availability of the relevant climate projections for the Caribbean? Firstly, um, that not everybody speaks climate. Um, I know it's a, it should have been a lesson I learned before, but interfacing, even when you found somebody who said, well, they're looking to pair climate and health or climate and agriculture, um, they knew their area and you knew your area and that interface um, never existed for the region before. So for me, that has been a massive learning experience, that interface being, how do we get the climate data into the agricultural model? Um, do we give you raw data? Do we give you change factors, meaning the difference between the historical and the future? What do we give you? What variables? How should we provide the data? Should it be provided in a format that's GIS ready? Um, or should we provide you as as Excel files or in another format. So that process to me has, has been the, the greatest um, comfort because we, we can now easily interface with other sectors. And the information is now to the point where it's relatable to people. You can see crop yields, what crop yields are going to be like. You have things for livestock. People can now, you can now look at what happens, what climate change does to crop yields or what climate change does to uh, water availability. So there is some quantifier that is outside of the climate domain that people can actually relate. The utility of the climate data will continue well beyond the PPCR project to serve the diverse needs of the region. So one of the key things about being at a university and, and doing this is that um, projects get longevity. Um, so a resource like Sparks, I'm, I'm going to be very, I'm going to be as, as general and as comprehensive as I can be um, where Sparks is concerned. And where Sparks is concerned, it has found its use in um, renewable energy. It has found its use 
in fire research. It has found its use in a wide varying number of fields. Computing, what I'm talking about are other users on the Sparks platform that are not climate modelers, other persons who required a high performance cluster or some kind of cluster to do experiments or do research that now have that cluster without interfacing with what happens with the climate, um, climate experiments, they can now perform their experiments, do their research on that platform. And this is something that's already currently happening and I don't see this ending going into the future. Um, the other platforms, again, are housed by the university and given the fact that they're housed by the university and they have data that's still applicable to research and data can be added um, in the future, I, do, I, I, I easily see these actually being entrenched into in, in what um, our lives are at the university or within the region. The Carib Climate Podcast is produced by the Investment Plan for the Caribbean Regional Track of the Pilot Program for Climate Resilience, funded by the Inter-American Development Bank through the Climate Investment Funds and implemented by the Project Management Unit of the University of the West Indies Mona Office for Research and Innovation. The Carib Climate Podcast, using data to make climate resilience greater.